Well, welcome to the PE Huddle, sponsored by Gopher. I'm your host, Bob Pangrazy, and it's a great day to chat with you. Um, so happy to be with all of you, and thanks for coming aboard. The PE Huddle discusses and offers advice, as many of you know, about issues and concerns. And today we're going to take it down the administrative highway. So we get to listen to a couple of administrators talk to us today. So I think this will be exciting. Um, just as a, a, a PA thing, you know that Gopher sponsors the PE Huddle and they strive to be teacher friendly. Uh, Gopher has a long history of offering products that support and promote physical education. Uh, and they just have released a new website that uh, is where you'll go to get your profession, professional development certificates, etc. So uh, if you go to PD, as in professional development, pd.gophersport.com. Um, you'll be able to uh, listen to past huddles and get your certificates. Um, take a look at it. We've put all kinds of things on that site, and I think Gopher deserves a lot of credit for what they've done there, and we thank Gopher for their support. Uh, along that line, Gopher would like to uh, reduce the number of times we do the huddle. And I suppose that takes some of the load off me as well. So we're gonna go to a monthly, probably around the first of each month, we'll do a, a huddle and uh, cut back a little bit now that that school's in session, but uh, very happy to see all of you on board. And if there's a need and, and you think there's a need for certain huddles, if you let go for no, I know that'll have an impact and they may want to have more in the future, so. Uh, enough on that. Uh, there are a lot of different viewpoints in education. Um, you can get teachers uh, talking to each other and they have one viewpoint, administrators have another, and school boards have another, and parents have another. Everybody knows everything about education. And of course, the pandemic's only increased uh, how everybody knows what they want and when we should be back in school, et cetera. Uh, and oftentimes, you physical educators are somewhat on the outside, or at least feel like it, looking in at a, skilled, uh, at a school filled with classroom teachers. So I want you to hear today from administrators during this huddle, and you're going to get to listen to two experienced uh, supervisors of physical education, uh, longtime administrators um, with a lot of wisdom, and, and two I have great respect for. Uh, so let's not dally on my talking anymore and get to the administrators of the day. Uh, Deb Pan Gracie's been in the teaching profession for numerous years and is a supervisor of elementary PE for the Mesa School District. Um, she's won a lot of teaching awards and is known for her curriculum development and leadership uh, abilities. Uh, the other administrator we have is Georgie Roberts. And she recently graduated to retirement a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, but I know Georgie, she isn't going to stay retired long. She'll be finding something to do. In fact, she told me she might be working at a university teaching some people how to teach. I can't think of a better way. But she was the K through, uh, K through 12 director of health and PE for the Fort Worth ISD schools. And she's also had many leadership uh, positions in Aford and Shape, and both of these people have left their mark on the profession, and I can't thank them enough for what they do. So since Deb's been a past guest, we're going to start with you, Georgie, and let you open up and uh, just tell people a little bit about you and 
and then what you see as the major responsibilities uh, of an administrator in a large PE program. Uh, thanks, Bob. Um, this is a great opportunity for me. Um, I started out as an elementary PE teacher, um, loved it, um, and thought I would do it for the rest of my life. And then uh, seven years in, um, I became, I was invited downtown, which is what we call it in Fort Worth. And so I became an administrator. Um, what it allowed me to do, and I sort of went kicking and screaming because I felt like the most important impact on any student is their individual teacher. But I did find that I could maximize some, a lot of opportunities for individual teachers because individual teachers work so hard and are on from the minute they walk in the door till they leave. And so concepts of um, new curriculum or new ideas or where I'm gonna get that, they really don't necessarily have the time. And so I came out of the gym and did that for them. I felt like I could look at their situation and, and maybe and work with them and talk to them and observe them and say, hey, maybe we need to do this, maybe we need to do that. So I was a, am a big proponent of professional development and I felt like that was probably the thing that I was able to do best in the 17 plus years, is really provide the training our teachers needed rather than what we thought they wanted. If that yeah. if that makes any difference. Yeah. Yeah. Sure it does. Yeah. Okay. Well, Deb, let's uh, let's give you a shot at it and, and uh, just tell people a little bit about what you do and and how you view your role as a leader. Okay, I'd be happy to. Thanks, Bob, for giving me the opportunity. George, it's always so good to see you too. We don't get to see each other much. I started out in elementary PE as well, and I graduated from Arizona State University where I took a very innovative class in dynamic physical education that was taught by Dr. Robert Pangrazy. So I was one of the first graduates out of his program to teach his program in the elementary schools in Mesa. In fact, the only people who have been in the program longer than I have were Bob and Dr. Jean Peterson, who was the first director of our elementary PE program. And I taught elementary PE for 26, 25 years, and I've been doing this for 21 years. And just like you, it is my job to make sure I provide everything my 80 teachers need to be successful, whether it's professional development. We do 14 of those every single year with my entire staff. I make sure they have good schedules where they teach eight classes a day with five minutes passing and they get a lunch and a prep, which you know, that's tough to find for PE teachers. They teach not more than one classroom of kids at a time. Um, and so that's really nice for them. I make sure that they have the equipment and supplies that they need so they can be successful, the facilities as best we can in our district. I make sure I hire the best and the brightest so that they can grow through the program and become leaders as well. And then we work together collegially. And I think that's another one of the strengths that we've developed. But that started with you, Bob. You started the idea of our meetings every month or more than once a month. So thank you so much. Well, I may have started the program, but you and Jean finished it so uh, and made it what it is. So you guys deserve all the credit in the world. And I must say, administration is set pretty well with both of you. You guys both look great for all the, all the years. 39, you know. I didn't add up those years, Deb. I'll leave it alone. Um, <laughs> um, but having having said all that, I, I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, to my audience out there um, that I want you to. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to answer some of your questions first. I think since we have two administrators here, and some of the questions you asked, 
it would be good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all. I had just turned mine off before we got started, Georgie. So I brought it in early, so I'd remember to turn it off. So there you go. <laughs> they were congratulating you on your retirement because they just heard Bob say that. That was it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. So let's let's crank up here with a few of the questions from our participants, um, because I thought they asked some good questions. And we won't go on. And you know, when you get questions uh, from new attendees, a lot of times they're very specific to your thing. So remember, we're going to answer in generalities because we're not living in your little corner of the world. But um, you know, Deb, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, what are some effective PE activities that can be done in person uh, now that we have social distancing? Nothing like putting me on the spot with like a really- We might as well start off hard. <laughs> well, I can tell you that um, this has not been an easy task. And of course, in districts, one size does not fit all. And I am very fortunate that all 80 of my PE teachers follow the same curriculum, get the same training. So that doesn't happen everywhere. And I pulled together a curriculum team of some of my expert teachers, which I have 80 expert teachers, so it was easy to do. And the, we pulled together the first nine weeks knowing it would be totally virtual, so it would be things at home. And we did nine weeks, we did our four-part lesson, and we also added an SEL introductory piece to it. And some of the things we had the kids make at home that we could use as equipment, because our kids are, you know, most of them, we have one group that's fairly, well off and taken care of, but most of them are fairly challenged. So we made bean bags out of plastic baggies, baggies. We made juggling scarves out of grocery bags, you know, the plastic ones that you carry your groceries home in. We had them get a towel to use as a yoga mat and to mark their space. We used uh, paper towel rolls to make lummy sticks and bats out of. Uh, we did oh, softballs and we had, we were able to get nine weeks of really fun activity just those pieces of equipment. So we'd start with an SEL, usually breathing of some kind or getting our mind where we're going. Then we do a warm-up activity. Then we would do a fitness activity with music, of course, because that always helps. And then we would do our lesson-focused skills, and then we would have a fun game. And oftentimes, and you have watched some of the videos, some of the recordings of these, oftentimes you'll see the little toddlers or the other brothers and sisters joining in the class, or maybe the dogs come in and you know play with the softball while the kids are playing with the softball. And they really did an awesome job on those virtual lessons. The other night, our uh, board president, Elaine Miner, called to congratulate me on what a fabulous job the PE teachers had done. So it was really good to hear that from her. Okay, well, that's good. And, and I, I mean, let's be honest, what you're saying is individual activities that each youngster can can do at home, but we're talking about being face to face at school also. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Georgie? Well, I, uh, Bob, the other the other thought I had when Deb started talking, um, because there's a lot of information, but what we tried to coach our teachers as long with along with specific use of the of texts and, and, and techniques, which we all had to learn, is to keep your eye on the prize. Because if your overall student outcome remains a physically literate student, you know, with the knowledge and skills to be active for a lifetime, that usually doesn't include a team of 11. So we were, I thought we could look at this as always um, actually an opportunity 
to try to uh, teach those things about individual health-related fitness. And then, so what we kind of did is we just flipped our curriculum, pushed back some skill development. And this is when we were in virtual. When we go back, which Fort Worth starts actually on Monday, we still are not going to be able to have share as much equipment. We're still not going to be able to become as close. But I think our students will enjoy just the proximity of their friends. And it will still focus on health-related fitness and individual activities, um, recognizing that this is just the world we're in. And, um, and if you're a healthy individual when you're 60 or 40, it really wasn't because you could do a layup shot. It really was because you understood about your body and how to take care of it. So I think this is a time now to emphasize some of those things that we maybe didn't focus on as much as we should have. So I, I really look at this as an opportunity. I've often said that it's a chance for us to push more in the direction of lifetime activity. Yeah, we, we, mm -hmm. we, we mouth it, but we don't often do it. Exactly. Uh, and the second part I would say is if you go to uh, the MyPEPAC site, website on Gopher, I've written uh, a lot of individual activities for individual pieces of equipment there. And they're all free of charge. You can download the list of these individual activities, self-testing activities. The other thing you can go do is go to the Dynamic PE ASAP site on uh, gopher and there are lots of individual activities there. I mean, there are tons of activities and there, if you're looking for an easy answer, uh, there, there probably isn't an easy one, but it's not that hard either. There are lots of individual activities out there. You're just going to have to teach differently. And I think you heard Deb and Georgie both saying they do, uh, they still including a, a fitness component because you don't have to have a lot of equipment for that, an introductory activity. And there's some nice games you can play at home like rock, paper, scissors, and same or different. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, different things you can do. So it's possible. Um, uh, so I think those are really good answers. Um, I have a little bit more on that because I started with our virtual, sorry, and I took a little too long on that, but we yeah. have with lessons straight out of ASAP, like you suggested, and your book. And we have, we're doing beanbag units, uh, hula hoops, individual mats, your ed movement lessons coming up, walking and jogging, long and short jump rope scoops with beanbags, not balls, so it doesn't roll into somebody else's space. We're marking the floors with spots so, and putting the yoga mats down so they have a six foot square to participate in so that kids aren't crossing each other. And um, so we've got, done a lot of preparation and planning for us going back a week from Monday, almost like you, Georgie. Uh, we spent a lot of money on gym tape. We've spent a lot of money on gym tape for just that reason is to put those lines out there on the gym floor so the students know um, that they can't cross. And so that wasn't terribly expensive. Um, and it seems to be going to work. Well, well, time will tell, right? The, our district preferred us using these paint spots and using the yoga mats because they didn't want after the tape comes up all the residue. So we had to find something other than tape. So, but I mean, either one works. And I like that you marked the whole square. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
And all that shows you is there are different ways to do things and different people are going to want different things. And, and you're going to go to one administrator who's going to tell you one thing and the next administrator is going to say to that administrator, no, we can't do that. And then you're going to get a different answer and then you're going to get upset. Well, you know what? We're in the era of COVID, but that's the way schools have always been. Don't be so cranky. Okay? Well, it and Bob, what I always try to remind people is that you didn't get into public education because you thought it was going to be like, what, easy? <laughs> I mean, we, you know, it's it, you, if you are a good teacher, which I hope everybody listening is, you're a good teacher. And so you're just going to have to get up to speed or have already gotten up to speed. And it, it's nice if you have somebody like Deb watching out for you, checking to see if you can get your equipment, helping you look at the curriculum. Um, just have another set of eyes on this because it's always nice if you're, particularly if you're in a small town and you're the only elementary teacher in the town, you need somebody to talk to. And so that's why these huddles are nice um, because you hear other people and you say, oh, I hadn't thought about that or mm, glad I didn't try it. So um, that's what we do as administrators. We just try to gather information that we might get from other colleagues or other teachers and then let everybody have the information and it's a really nice way um so and in our particular situation we have very transient population in our school district it's not very normal for urban school districts so what we wanted to do is to make sure that we were all on basically the same place in the curriculum so any okay. child would make sure to have that same instruction Okay, yeah, and you okay. can tell me I'm ready to get off that. Okay, no, new I thread. Was, can I say new one thread. Nope, new thread here because okay. I knew these two ladies. If I got them talking, we'd be on the first question the whole time. Hang on, Deb. There'll be plenty of time. Um, there, we we need we need to move on a little bit. Uh, the the one thing I do want to say, uh, I don't know whether you guys realize it or not, but you talked about uh, 15 minutes on that question, so we wouldn't get very far with that. So we're going to move forward um, onto a different question, but um, I do want to say this. Ultimately, when you hear them talking, and there's a lot to glean from what they're both saying, and they're both telling you how much they know about their situations, and that's just what they want but you didn't hear any of them say, I can solve your problem for you. Each of you have to solve your own problems. And when I get a question from someone saying, I'm in blankety blank blank, and we can only do this and we can only do that, how do I fix it? I can't fix it. You have to fix it. And let's be clear about that. It's too easy in education to say, well, if it weren't for my administrator or my leadership above me or my lack of money or whatever, 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 I'd be a great teacher. Baloney. Great teachers are great teachers because they are problem solvers and they come in and they solve their own problems. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You have to solve your own problems. And if I ever say anything to Deb, because I happen to know her problems more intimately than I know anybody else's, because I hear all about them, um, it, she, I tell her constantly, you can't solve the problems for those teachers in their building. You can help them and you can support them, but they have to figure it out and solve it. So moving on. Um, 
How about the physical thing of, yeah, we're going back face to face. You've got people handling the same equipment. We've got all the concerns about making sure everything is clean. We've got the concern of keeping our teachers healthy and making sure that all the things they need. Let's talk about that for a second because I had a number of questions on that concern. Whoever wants to start. Georgie, go ahead. Well, we, again, we are, we've been in the talking about it stage because we haven't gone back. Um, it has been, but my recommendation, I think to really, to piggyback on what you said, Bob, is that you need to decide how you can make this work. If it's imperative that you teach hula hoop skills, which first is your question, I mean, is it necessary to have this piece of equipment? Then you have to think ahead, plan ahead and say, well, I'll use it in first period, I won't in second through seventh, by the next day it'll be okay. And so then second period will do it. So you're gonna just have to change. It's not gonna be the way you used to do it, which is I bring out the basketballs because I'm doing a basketball unit. Um, so it really speaks to your thing is you have to look at your environment and where Deb, you indicated that your, your teachers get a five minute break. Well, they don't before work. So if that were a time when they were gonna clean equipment, we don't have that option. So you have to just look at your situation and figure it out. And um, I think that's where we don't, I, I, would, I would really actually ask all of you, don't spend any more time thinking about what I can't do. Right. Spend all your time on what you can do. And then you can get better at that and make that work. You'll look better in your school. You'll look better with the kids. And then whatever happens, happens rather than spending not another minute thinking this is a bad thing. We already know that. That's good thought. Yeah, the whole thing, Deb, you want to uh, jump sure, on I, that? I, some of my teachers have been back uh, half classes so far. Uh, we have the AB schedule, the hybrid or the modified in person. And so we've gotten to try a few things with the half classes there. And like we mentioned, they have the six foot square around them. They have their new gopher yoga mats. They're loving those, they're gorgeous. New vinyl bean bags, um, piece of, uh, pieces of equipment, not ever shared, one kid at a time uses them. We do have the five minutes passing, plus we're taking five minutes at the end of each lesson. We got disinfectant sprayers that spray a very fine mist. We spray all the way down. And while we're doing that, the kids are learning how to line up to leave you know, six feet apart. By the time we get one class out and have that five minutes, the disinfectant doesn't leave the film. It's that alpha HP. And we don't even have to wipe them down. They're dry. And they've had their 10 minutes, which disinfects. So we've been pretty fortunate with that. Uh, so Deb, uh, two things I want to ask you. Number one is you're taking, um, you're taking five minutes of PE time to do that. Now, you know, there's a way of solving your problem. I mean, Georgie doesn't have any passing time. Well, fine, take it out of PE. This is a different time. There are different right. ways to solve different problems. So that's one way. You, you just hear two different people here looking at things differently. The second one, Deb, is give them a clue on uh, the disinfectant. Uh, just spell it out what you're using. Okay, well, first we're using alpha, A-L-P-H-A dash, I think it's HP. I can do that later. And it's a Oh, it's a it's one that's safe for kids that our district got. So that, that's another thing. Being in a big district, we have people researching that. 
and it's a peroxide-based one, I believe, and we bought the sprayers because of the fine mist, and we learned that you have to have, it's either seven to 10 minutes, and the other thing that was a lifesaver, they had given us squirt bottles to try to spray everything, oh my gosh, and having to get down on the floor and squirt, and you know, when we do jump ropes, it'll be both handles and hula hoops all the way around, they bought us pop-up wipes, to wipe things down when we have hula hoops and things like that. So we are prepared and we have hand sanitizer stations as you walk in the multi-purpose room. So they sanitize coming in, sanitize going out. We have sanitizer to take outside with us. Uh, water bottles can be filled in the drinking fountains, but we aren't using the drinking fountains for anything but water bottles. And their water bottles are right by them in their exercise area in our room. So we've worked out a few bugs in a week actually of learning some of the things that are good and and you know we didn't go in with all the answers but it's pretty smooth yeah you know i want to add on to that uh, it, it's it's sort of interesting and i'm going to remind you teachers um you know the the fomites in other words the the hard surfaces where the uh virus can land and maybe you pick it up the chance of you getting COVID from that is, is pretty slim, and yet we're spending millions of dollars on that, tremendous amounts. We're making lots of companies rich selling sanitizers for things that really aren't much in terms of, of spreading COVID. And the real issue is for you teachers, circulation in your gym, big spaces, wear those masks at all time, Kids never take a mask off. I have a I have a question about that, and I'll let these two speak to it. And thirdly, washing the hands all the time. But I'm telling you, nobody gets all that concerned about the teachers, and we're spraying everything to death. Um, but I'm concerned about the teachers, and you make sure that you open every door and window you have access to, and that you get as big a space as you can. And and not teach in the same little small classroom all day long. Uh, if you're gonna do that, then go out and alternate back and forth like Georgie talked about doing with the equipment. So um, and Bob, another I thing want that, you to be sure and take care of yourselves. And Bob, another thing that you and I discussed and that we are using also, uh, we kids and, and teachers mask. Nobody comes to PE without a mask. Everybody wears a mask. And then we have designated teaching spaces as well. The kids have their six foot square. My teachers are either gonna be teaching from their stage, from the perimeter or from a semicircle that nobody can get within six feet so that everybody has that space. Doors open, high ceilings. Our air conditioners are not the newest, but they keep changing the filters frequently. So. And, and I just wanna say here, every time I get three or four questions prior to it uh, about, um, can students play without their masks or when they're breathing hard, can they take them off? Oh my goodness, folks, when you're breathing hard is when you spread the virus. And, and even though kids may not have symptoms and may be asymptomatic, they're still great spreaders. In fact, they may be the best spreaders. So, uh, you know, what they call super spreaders. So you, you want to make sure, of course, those masks stay on at all times. Now, somebody says, well, what if a kid's breathing hard and says, I'm tired, I can't go anymore? Well, of course, it's like forever. Our job isn't to run a kid until he falls down. Uh, I mean, how crazy is that? And, and if they're tired and they're not fine, rest until you're ready, but the mask stays on. Um, just no ifs, ands, or buts. You count, teachers. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and they, I was thinking the other thing that teachers are going to miss as we all gravitate back to brick and mortar is you're going to miss those times in the hall, in the teacher's lounge, you know, staying after bus duty. We all kind of gripe about that, but we also kind of got a chance to see the second grade teacher, or the social studies teacher. We can't do that either. So we all have to just accept that this, I would have missed hugging. If I were still in an elementary PE room, I would miss hugging. I would come up with something different right away that the first day, look, this is the way it's going to be to show we're not high-fiving, obviously, but let's do this instead because we want to still create an environment that kids look forward to going to, that they feel successful, and that they walk out of the room hopefully learning something every day. Um, that can't go away. Absolutely. And if you're a hugger, I saw a teacher the other day wrap, teach their kids to wrap their hands around themselves and say, squeeze a little tighter. I'm hugging you harder than that. Come on. There you go. Perfect. All kinds of things you can do to get the same thing and give them the same kind of feel. So good, good stuff, you guys. Um, Could I say uh, one thing about um, intensity? Because as an administrator, when you said huffing and puffing and getting tired, all of our activities, they, my teachers have heard nothing but low intensity. We are not working these kids out. Low intensity, they're wearing masks, then you don't have to worry about that. And you don't have parents upset, you know, that the students were wearing their mask and got all sweaty. Low intensity. I'm not going to elaborate other than to say I've said for 55 years of my business, my time in education, nobody's ever got kids fit in physical education anyway. It's not a place where kids get fit. They do in sports, but it's hard to get fit in PE when you see them once or twice a week. Can I, Bob, can I could piggyback on that? Um, I yes. had a, a thought on that earlier. I, when we said, when I said we should look at this as an opportunity and figure out how we can at least do some of this. And Deb, when you said encouraging the brother or the dog to participate, we did that very, we did that 100%. I thought this might be the best thing that PE gets from the elementary perspective if we've got these parents in the room or grannies in the room saying, oh, is that what you do? But when we look at the older students particularly, I think, and we've encouraged our teachers to really more than a little bit more than they ever had before in the cognitive domain understanding why you uh, do what you do, why it's important. Because I think a lot of times in secondary PE that gets minimized, we work all on the skill development. To Bob's point, you're not going to get your time in the gym anyway, regardless. It's, it's a different. It's different. And so we take that opportunity to really maybe move to our older students, for sure, maybe actually going outside and being active on their own. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity. And, and, you know, we, we have all this talk about fitness and you've all heard it so many times that you're brainwashed on it uh, about the, the importance of fitness, but you can't get anybody fit if you can't get them active first. Right. Did you hear me? You can't get anybody fit if you can't get them active first. And it's people who love activity that choose maybe to go on and build fitness. So, the activity always precedes fitness, and yet we don't focus on just being active and now all activity is good. All right, enough on that. Now I'm changing topics again. Um, 
I, I want to talk a little bit. The, the question comes up, and um, I've, I've talked to a few teachers who are dealing with it, and that's simultaneous in-person and synchronous online um, teaching. So that you've got you've got a class out there virtually, and you got a class in front of you face to face. How do you go about it? What's the best way that you've found to do it? Any any uh, comments from either one of you on that? Well, Georgie, are they doing that at the high school? Oh, you haven't gone back yet. No, are but they, they are going to do that. So I'm kind of interested. Um, I think you should probably go first on that since you've actually done that for a while. Well, now this one piece we have experimented with just a little bit um, because most of our classes are gonna be live in person or live virtual. But what we've found is if we set up our camera and our computer in the multi-purpose room or in the classroom, wherever we may be, we can get the kids at home active and they, we have a tile that shows the kids in the class and you can see the kids' names around. So it can be done. You just have to remember you're managing these kids and you have to remember to pay attention to these kids from time to time too so they don't feel left out. But the best thing about it is those kids that are virtual or remote at home, they feel like they're still part of that class. So it's mm -hmm. really nice feeling for them. It keeps them engaged with their friends. So it's been, we've only tried it for a week, but I think it's a very good way to do it. That's a really, a really super point. I'll speak to the high school because I know we get high school people and the high school people are doing it uh, as well. And I've talked to a couple of teachers. There are lots of ways they do it. Some project their image up on the wall and, and then uh, the class can see it and they can also have their computer focused on that wall and do it. Some of them teach in front of both. In other words, you're looking out at the class your computer is between you and your face-to-face -face class, and so you're teaching to both groups at the same time. It can be done. Um, I, I had a, I, I heard a little story about uh, teaching a group of, of kids with special needs, and they were going along there, and and uh, all of a sudden the uh, special at home turned on their computer and said stop this teacher you aren't looking at us and talking to us out here so uh, you know how straightforward they are but you, you do have that challenge a bit but it works i think what deb said it's actually uh, an almost more rich experience because right. you've, it livens you up in front of the camera it's and teachers have found out how hard it is when you're teaching just to that darn camera, trying to be alive. And I've seen some amazing lessons. Some of Deb's teachers have been just amazing uh, and exciting as they're just teaching to that camera. But, you know, day in, day out, that gets old. And to have some live people in front of you, I mean, that's why we went into education, because we love the interaction so of course it can be done and you can set it up you're going to have extension cords all over by the way most of the teachers i've seen set themselves up in a place where kids can't come into the space where the computer is it's a huge semicircle around the teacher the uh, computer is at the front of that semicircle with the teachers back to the wall and so they're teaching out to their kids on the other side of the semicircle, and it keeps the kids away from them. Deb has her teachers, some of her teachers get up on a stage and teach from there, which is even better because remember the droplets fall. So that's <laughs> even <a> more safe. <laughs> I that one out. 
Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there, it, it, it can be done. Once again, you're going to have to, to solve it. Um, the tough one is, you know, I have a question here. What do you do when in Fort Worth, uh, they want us to go outside and teach with Wi-Fi and no GoPro cameras, and they want us to do it synchronously at the same time? No, it really wasn't Fort Worth, but it could be. Um, it could be. But, but I, I mean, I don't know. Okay, but Bob, I would like to say, I don't know when this was, if this would ever come in, but one of the things that teachers should never do, in my opinion, is if you want something or need something to make you a better teacher or really so you know your students learn better, is you put together a proposal. It could be a simple proposal where I need to be able to get access batteries all the time instead of running to my local drugstore every time I need batteries to something like that is that we, we sometimes, we feel as teachers, well, that's our lot in life, is we have to scramble and beg for everything. No, you should never beg. You should propose to either your campus administrator or your director or supervisor and come together with a reason why I, if I'm gonna be outside and I have to do this synchronously, then you need to provide me with the materials that I need and not be as a, it's not a complaint, it's a fact. This is what I need. And so they need to do that. Georgie, you said a mouthful and I hope they listen carefully. Uh, and that's one thing about you and Deb is you don't go beg. No. You tell what you need. If this is what you want done, then this is what we need to get it done. Uh, you know, I have someone who's preparing teachers there and, you know, there's a note here. Uh, this is one of the questions coming in while we're talking and they're saying, you know, how do I prepare uh, my pre-service teachers who are overwhelmed by COVID? You teach them to be problem solvers, okay? I, I mean, I, I always taught my teachers, you're gonna have to solve every problem that's out there. And so I put them under tremendous pressure when they were in my classes. I, I had a thing called toss the tambourine and I gave them the tambourine and I said, teach this class right now. Or I would be a discipline problem and I would say, solve this right now on the spot. There is nothing you can tell pre-service teachers that will solve it if you don't have them simulate the kinds of experiences they're going to have. Right. And it's tough and it scares them. Um, I know I scared Deb when she was in my class 46 years ago or whatever, but you know what? That's the only way you learn. And one of the things I think that Deb would tell you is when teachers came to be hired by her, my teachers that I had taught, they knew how to handle things and solve problems. Make problem solvers out of your teachers because you can't predict what they're going to come across when they get out and teach. Um, I don't know, there's a question here. How can we balance our on-campus students and online students? We will have both when we go back. I don't know what you mean by balance other than it. You, you may mean there are more online students and, and I, I'm not sure. So I can't really Well, in some, Deb, we, were, we don't, we've never done a lot of synchronous instruction because we try to accommodate families to be able to support their kids. And so most of our virtual instruction was asynchronous or I call it taped, um, it shows my age. But so I think again, for the balance thing, I've talked to a few teachers already that are putting their head around this, talk about problem solving. They said for perhaps the rest of their career, 
They want to create an environment, whereas if you're sitting in the room, you'll get the instruction. If you're sitting at home, you'll get the basically the same instruction, but it will be, there's no more snow days now. There's no more, I'm sick, I can't come to school. I can still log on and it may be, again, this may be something that ultimately will improve learning for our students because maybe they can be in class every day, which we have a lot of absenteeism. So, um, but I, that's not directly answering your question, but if you do asynchronous, then they can record themselves and actually show themselves recorded in a, mm -hmm. in a real classroom. But of course they have the advantage that they can monitor instruction. They can answer questions. So Deb, you might be better at that. Well, and I'm wondering if that, and that is a perfect answer to Georgia, you've got it right on. I'm wondering if that person has live classes and remote classes and they've got a schedule and they don't know how to do that. And we have to come up with that. So I have a couple ideas, especially since we use our multi-purpose rooms. We're trying to group the live lessons. Well, here, I'm gonna show you. Can you see that? See the green, those are all live. And then around the lunchtime, we have the remote. So we would go into our office to teach the remote ones. And that gives lunchtime longer to serve. And then in our schools that are 50-50, the schedule would look more like that. And now that's not synchronous, Deb. Yes, it is. These are live in person. The kids are in the gym. And these remote kids, we're teaching them live at home. We're right with them. We see them. It's oh, awesome. Okay. I'm not sure why it's green and yellow. Well, that was just so I knew the live kids in the gym, yellow kids at home. They're different lessons. They're the same teacher. Okay, Rebecca Neal is teaching this schedule. She has four live lessons in a row in the multipurpose room. Then she hurries, goes into her office, has her stuff set up like we do, and she teaches her remote kids that are at home. And lunch is going on there so they can get it fed oh. and clean. I, okay, I, I see what you mean. That that kind of synchronous where they're, they're I'm talking about when you're teaching both kids in front of you and at home. That's a at different. At the same time. That, 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 that's what I was talking about. Yeah. There's two different ways of doing it depending if you're high school or elementary. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, anyway, the, the, the person training teachers followed up and also said, we need to put student teachers in schools that aren't perfect places to teach. So they learn about real life situations. Couldn't say it any better myself. Um, all right, let's, let's move on to, and we're, we're getting short on time. Um, I knew we wouldn't get through too many questions, but we sure have had lively discussions here. And, and, you guys are, are rich, both of you. you. You're both doing a great job. Um, the one, I, you know, the, I, 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 we always get a, the question about masks and, and that sort of thing. Well, I always get a question about assessment. So what are you doing about assessment? Deb. Okay, I'm going to tell you the absolute truth, what we are doing. And there, I don't think there's a good answer for this. I really, I... You can try a lot of different things. And like I say, one size does not fit all. But in elementary school, what we found in the first nine weeks, okay, school shut down in March. Grades didn't count then. Kids didn't have to necessarily show up. Nothing happened to them if they didn't perform. What we noticed in our first nine weeks is all kids, K-12, 
didn't really understand it was really going to count right now. Okay. And so high school grades are down for that. Plus they're helping their little brothers and sisters learn how to use the computers, but whatever. So we felt that you can't grade them on skill anyway, but we felt if they logged on and participated at all, who knows what's going on at home. And, you know, it, all of it's dependent on what their parents will let them do at whatever time. So we figured if they got on and they answered our quiz, we always have a quiz question in the lesson, but those kids were doing a great job. They were participating. They were trying as hard as they could. They really were involved. The only kids we did not give a grade to, and we didn't give them a poor grade. We just didn't give a grade because we don't know what's going on in their homes are the ones that didn't show up at all. And of course, all of our offices are calling and reaching out and emailing and making home visits, but we don't know what's going on there. And so we didn't feel like these little kids, it was fair to give them a, a, a negative grade and turn them off even more to school when they're at home all by themselves anyway. And we wanna keep them connected and doing positive things. So that's what we did for the first nine weeks. Now things will change maybe now that we're mostly back, I'm not sure, but that's what we did for the first nine weeks is to get us through. Georgie? And I would say, um, if anybody would argue with me successfully that assessment was done well in physical education, then I, I, I would be surprised prior to COVID. Um, you know, we all have those issues. We might have 70 kids in a class. We only see them twice a week. So you've got that issue. So now we have COVID. So it maybe only either exacerbates it or makes it different. But one of the things that we looked at right from the get-go is the idea of journaling, because um, again, with our Fort Worth anyway idea that really what is, what is our large student outcome for physical education? What do we want our kids to graduate knowing and doing? Well, we wanted them to know and do the importance of regular physical activity. So we did much to that, that every all K through 12, Every, the assessment always included a journal response. It might've been as simple in kindergarten, did you like this activity to in high school, uh, give me a paragraph on this activity or when you might do this some other time or what you didn't like about it. Trying to engage them in that thought of what they're learning and why it's important. Um, and so that's moderately successful over and above all the issues about access, which we're all dealing with. But in the in the idea of like what, why, why, how do we assess student learning in physical education that's meaningful? And Georgie, our quiz. Oh, sorry, I was going to add our quiz questions did exactly that, and then we also opened a discussion board every day where kids could discuss things with you as well during your office hours. So that was uh, meaningful and helpful too. Let me let me just say I'm, I'm going to follow up on an opening statement that Georgie said. We've never assessed well, and I don't know why you're concerned about it during COVID because you didn't do it well before COVID. Because we don't know and we don't tell principals how we should assess, and until we start communing, commun communicating that we are not like academics, we are not like the content areas. We are PE, we teach the same thing over and over and over. You practice throwing in kindergarten and you're still doing it in high school and, and major league baseball pitchers are still practicing, trying to be perfect. And then you say, I'm gonna evaluate something and it's gonna be concrete and concise and accurate when it never will be. 
until we decide. And by the way, I will say when you are assessing, kids are not learning, no. right? And they are not practicing. And you have so limited time in PE and you could communicate that to your administrators. It is time to say we are different. We don't evaluate the same way. If you want to evaluate and you want some instruments with some credibility, I would tell you to go to DPE ASAP. I, not that I'm trying to sell my own stuff here because it's not selling, it's all free. But there are all kinds of, 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 of assessments that are summative. And so it may ask you how you feel about something, how you do something, what are the components of throwing, et cetera. And it's all these little quick, easy to do things. And there's about 150 of those instruments in ASAP that you could use. And you can show that to your administrator. They just want to see that you're doing something. Something. So that you can say, yes, I do assess. And until we communicate to principals what it is, instead they say, well, classroom teachers are doing this. We want you to do it. And you say, okay, yeah, we'll emulate you. And then you do a crappy job of emulating them because it doesn't apply to you. Speak up for who you are. Well, Bob, you and I would different. say, I would say that I got um, interested in this. I'm not sure that I'm a big proponent of grading. I'm a, a big proponent of assessment because if you don't assess something, you don't know where you are in the spectrum. But that assessment is almost in PE should be between you and the teacher. You, you understand and they understand what the goal is and then what do I can do to improve. And, and, and I, I just really think to your point, I really am a big proponent of a portfolio and it follows the kid from K to high school. And that individual child can look back at that and see where they were going. A parent can look at that and say, well, I, I don't understand. They, they can't do this. What could I do to help them do it? If you give them a B, what does that mean? It doesn't, like, mean, it doesn't mean anything. Exactly. We don't evaluate, we assess. Um, yes. And, and I will say this, if you say to your principal, no, that doesn't apply to us, I'm not doing it. Now the war is on. Okay. <laughs> and your principal is going to take you on and you're going to lose the battle. Right. It, because any, just think about it. Any teacher standing around and say, oh, no, I'm not evaluating or assessing. No way I'm doing that and you've just lost all credibility of physical education in your program. So don't go that route. All right, got to stop you there. I'm coming back to, to thank you in a minute. So sit tight, ladies, <laughs> time is up. But I've got a few uh, thoughts I want to share with you, a few of my, uh, what I call unshakable beliefs. All of us have a few things that guide us through our teaching experiences. And with the stress and struggle you are all going through over the last eight months, fall back and check those beliefs and make sure you're continuing to follow your guiding star. I'll share a few of my beliefs here just to give you an idea of what I think is important and ask you to examine yours to see what you see as important as a teacher and person and never lose your personhood. You're a person first, a teacher second. Number one, take it one day at a time. My life and teaching career is a compilation of good, not so good, blah, and terrible days. It is so easy to focus on the not so good side, even though most of our teaching days are positive and acceptable. 
if you start each day anew, one day at a time, your attitude and personality will be fresh and off to a good start. What happened yesterday doesn't matter. And you're only as good as the last lesson you taught. So much of how a class goes is based on how you start the class. Your students have bad days also, and they need your fresh start to get them moving in the right direction. Number two, control your worries. It is often said that 99% of the things we worry about never happen. Worry is wasted energy that changes nothing. It only serves to pull you down, develop a pessimistic attitude, and make you a person to avoid. If your worry is something that can be changed for the better, then why the hell haven't you changed it? And if not, give it up and train your mind to move in a different direction. Seize the day. And remember that none of us have a forever guarantee. Enjoy life while you can. Believe how is greater than what. All of us have been trained in academic content areas. In fact, we know so much more about physical education than we teach to our students. Lack of content knowledge is rarely the reason teachers fail. Lack of sport knowledge is rarely the reason coaches fail. Instead, it is how I teach or coach that assures my students will learn, change, and want to succeed. When teachers fail, it is because of their attitudes and inability to motivate and nudge students toward grit and hard work. Now is a great time to look at how you are teaching rather than looking in the rearview mirror with worry. Structure helps students feel comfortable and safe. Everybody needs structure and routine in their life. If you doubt it, take a look at our society. Take a look at a classroom out of control. COVID arrived and blew our structure and routines to smithereens. Kids are at, are at home at all different times. Parents have no time to themselves. Sports and group activities are not available. I could go on and on. The desire to return to their pre-COVID routines is why parents are pushing to open schools face-to-face. -face. As much as possible in your teaching, offer structure in your lessons, in your gym, on the field, and during online instruction. Try to make your lessons look and feel like they used to feel prior to COVID. Of course, things are different, but if we work at it, we can offer presentations that make students feel comfortable and happy to be in school. Thanks for being part of the huddle. Thanks to our two great guests, Deb and Georgie. I think you guys offered so much insight, so much meat for people to grab a hold of. And ultimately, the message is solve your problems. Fix it yourself. Don't blame everybody else for it. what isn't right. And thanks for all you teachers who are problem solvers and trying to fix things. Please continue to show concern for others as you guide your students towards a life of activity and health. You're the greatest. You are the fabric of our society. If you wonder that and think that society isn't quite what it should be, you're our only hope. You're the only one that's going to change it. Thank you all. Thanks for coming to the huddle. 
talk to you soon. And by the way, as I said, just keep tuned to when the next huddle will be. I have no idea. I work for Gopher, not Gopher work for me. So I'll talk to you whenever. Take care, my friends. And thank you again for a great huddle, Deb and Georgie. Thank, thank you. you. My pleasure. Bye.